and welcome to what is episode 99 of the Startcast, Press Start Australia's fort- uh, weekly, I'm back to fortnightly, I've done that before, weekly video game discussion podcast. I'm your host, Ewan Roxburgh. I'm joined today by Stephen. Hello. And James. Hello. Now, James, let's start with you, because we wanted you here last week to talk about Outlast, Outlast 2. Uh, you played it for review, uh, we were keen to talk about it, but alas... You were busy probably working on your review for Prey. Um, but let's start with Outlast 2. What did you make of that? Um, really liked it. I thought it was, you know, the first game was good, but they it was it was clearly, you know, a little bit of a... There was a budget to it, I guess, because I think it was their first game, this, the, comp- the guys who made it. Mm. So uh, it's it was just a... Um, there was a lot of repetition and stuff like that. Uh, so and a lot of repeated environments, whereas this one it's just bigger. Like you know what I mean when you play a game, you can just tell that the scope is much bigger. Yeah, yeah. So like the environments are bigger. Like the the idea was so much more different. Like the first game was about like you know nanotechnology and stuff, but this one is about crazy religious people. So um, I just think the themes are more interesting for me. Mm. I think so, I think it was sorry. Just I think it was still Red Barrels. This one wasn't when they had the developers of the first one. Yeah, it's still the same guys, okay. but I think that just because the first one did so well, they had, uh, you know, a lot more money to play with, so they could sure. do a bit more with it, you know? I like, um, still, still no combat or anything like that, uh, still lots of running away, so if you're not into that kind of thing, which sometimes I'm not, you know, it can get a bit mm. boring, uh, it, but I think they did it quite well, like, it, it balances the, the, you know, the scary kind of tense exploring stuff with the... Um, with the more like adrenaline pumping chase stuff. Sure, and and considering that you've now played of it, played the entirety of it, what was your take on the controversy, the controversy that surrounded it, and its uh, and its rating fiasco here in Australia? Yeah, I see the message from Shannon saying talk about the sex. What? <laughs> 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 well, um, yeah, it's um, I I think that all that happened was. I, I mean, it's not. Of course, like the version that got through was the version that they thought was not that bad. And yeah. when you read the the original transcript and stuff, the only things they really changed is they took out the scene where, you know, there was implied mm. oral sex or something like that. And to me, they probably just did that scene completely. And then they thought, well, maybe we'll take some stuff out because less is more, mm. you know? Yeah, like based on... Because um, you, you kind of shared um, a snippet of <laughs> gameplay of the scene in question. And based on what we saw, it seemed a lot less dramatic than that initial sort of brief of the scene that we all read. Um, so, I was, yeah, I was wondering how that, that mismatch was uh, was accounted for because it certainly didn't seem as bad watching it as it did when uh, you had the the classifications board describing what was going on in the scene. Yeah, and I think that when you write something in words, it's going to be much more... You're going to use your imagination more than if it's just shown to you. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah, um, that's, that's a good point. A lot of people also were like, oh my God, it's not even that bad, but people forget that the scene that was going to be in it wasn't it. You know, they actually took that out. Mm. So, mm. I well, think that they did it from an artistic choice rather than just censoring it because people are like no they censored it but no one the turnaround time on that there's just no way they did you know no yeah absolutely not that's way too big a move to make um okay steven i promise we're gonna i'm gonna direct some conversation your way soon but whilst (laughs) whilst whilst we've got james in a role um and because he's a machine when it comes to reviewing games uh i want to talk a bit about prey your review of prey came out today um as of recording this the the game came out today as well um what were your thoughts on, on on prey uh, also really good. <laughs> I'm getting, 
I don't know. I just get paranoid that you know I'm putting out too many like nines. But well, it's it's pretty rare it's for you good, to do that, right? Like you usually been, score games pretty good, low. <laughs> oh, well, apparently not. But I don't know. <laughs> it's been a good year, though. Like I think that's you know besides Mass Effect, which was like above the average. I think generally speaking, I've been on point. So pray. Um, it's it's re- it's really good. It's uh it's you know system. I don't know if anyone here has played System Shock, but it was probably one of my favorite games. Um, I played it late, but it was good. You know, like it was. Mm-hmm. It's just a game that not many games have like I guess been able to capture since then. Bioshock kind of tried to, and if you you play Bioshock, it's a very streamlined version of System Shock. Whereas I feel like Prey is going back to I guess that complexity that you kind of had in the original game, but uses like the power of the new consoles and stuff to give you more options. Like every mm-hmm. level. Or every map in this game is like a playground. It's one big continuous world, whereas games like Dishonored, you know, split into chapters. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What yeah. Did, I guess I don't know what people want to know about it. Like, I just think it's I think it's really great. The soundtrack is nuts, like amazing. Yeah, no, you, well, you've certainly touched on a couple of points there that I also found playing the game. Um, in case you missed it, uh, we streamed it today uh, over on uh, Prostat's Facebook page. Um, that's obviously all available on VOD now, so you can go back and watch that if you like. Um, played it with Kaynader and Undercover Cool Dudes. Um, and we had a gr- great time playing it. Um, that we've played maybe kind of three hours into the game now. We streamed for two hours, and I, I, that was beyond the hour demo that I'd already played. Um, so keen to play more of it. Um but yeah, like it's certainly quite an open world. It invites you to um, approach puzzles in quite unique ways. Like you're constantly uh, looking around the environment and how you might be able to use or manipulate things to get where you need to go. Um, and like you like you said there, the, uh, the soundtrack is absolutely amazing. Um, done by the same composer as the Doom game put out last year, um, which I know uh, attracted a lot of praise. Um, and it's yeah like right from the get-go that sort of opening track you get over the opening credits it was just awesome it's definitely the kind of playlist so the kind of soundtrack that i would uh, be listening to just on a regular basis sort of on spotify even, or whatever yeah even even like say you know you walk into a room and there's mm. something really really horrible in that room or something and it just plays like maybe five seconds of uh, some music or a noise or something it's just yeah it has like perfect... little stings doesn't it that uh yeah yeah just yeah stings that's what they're called put yeah. you on the edge of your seat <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's just it's just really unnerving, kind of weird alien noises. The stuff that you know, if you ever look up stuff on YouTube, like there's these noises they see find in the sea, they think are aliens. Like that kind of noise mm. in a game. Yeah, <laughs> it's really, it's really, really like it's just a perfect feeling. You know, it is. And, and the synth, all the synths are amazing. You know, I love synths too, though. But you know, it's like Crystal Castles meets Stranger Things. <laughs> yes, yes, Stranger Things is a very good connection, actually. Um, and I, I love just how, like, the atmosphere it creates. Like, it's the, the, like, the overall presentation of the game, the sort of environment design will contribute to it as well. Um, but the, the atmosphere that the music is able to conjure up, um, conjures up, uh, is really effective too. Um, certainly very immersive and, and contributes that really sort of creepy, thick sort of atmosphere. Um, it reminds me much in the way uh, of actually um, Alien Isolation in, in some regard. In yeah, terms of yeah sort definitely. Of, you know, wandering around like a-, a very sort of um, well sort of realized world with that, yeah, thick atmosphere. Um, so I enjoyed that tremendously. Stephen, is this going to be a game you pick up, do you think? I'm definitely keen on it, especially after giving James's review a bit of a, you know, look over and, you know, has he, he's had a lot of general positivity to throw in its direction when I've been talking to him. Um, mm. One thing I'm kind of keen to hear your position on, James, I've heard a lot of people compare it to a Metroid-ish game, and I 
I know a lot of people throw that around, but I feel like I could trust your judgment. Yes, <laughs> no, um, a little bit. <laughs> it's not, um, it's, you know, it's, I guess you backtrack. That's probably about it. Like, I wouldn't say you get, because, you know, you, you can, you get it, you have skill trees and stuff and you, you invest points in skills and you can play a whole game without getting a certain skill. So, okay. whereas I feel like with Metroid, you get all your skills toward, uh, from beginning to end and then you can go back. Do you know what I mean? Like, Metroid makes you get all your power-ups unless you sequence break, but whereas it's designed... this is stuff that you can get if you choose to get uh, some of the abilities, but you won't necessarily get all of them if you don't want to, I guess. Yeah, but that's okay. the thing with Prey is, like, you don't have to get everything either. Like, that's mm. what I love about it is, like, so, for example, beginning of the game, um, there's a door that's blocked with furniture. If you if you earn skills that let you pick up heavy things, you can move the furniture and get into that room. But I was like, hmm, let's see if this will work. So I got an explosive tank from, like, a, a room really far away, picked that up with, you know, one of my other abilities that I chose to get instead, and put it next to the couch, and then shot the tank, and then it blew up, and the explosion moved the tank, the furniture out of the way. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, there's it's different really ways cool. that you could... Yeah, like, there's, there's probably, what, three to four different ways you can enter a room in Prey, and that's what I think is really good. It's not like we're Metroid where you kind of see things, and you're like, oh, I'll come back for that later. Like, I feel like it's a different kind of backtracking. Mm. It's probably it's, less, It rewards like, lateral thinking, and I think it's, like, as much a Metroid sort of game um, as, say, some of the, like, the these more recent Tomb Raider reboots where you sort of, like, get new, unlo- uh, new kind of unlocks, well, to a lesser degree, but, like, you get unlocks and uh, you sort of get there's a benefit sort of going back and being able to open up new areas with like your rope arrows or something like that. Um, or like the main sort of story is driven very much in the way that I think like early sort of new Duke Nukem games were that you kind of get the key card you need and then you sort of go back to the relevant door and move through that way and gradually open up the world. Um, but what James is saying is that hundred percent true. And I think is more unique to this game um, is that it, you're really asked to use the environment and sort of think laterally and uh, try and find alternate solutions and stuff. There's always, yeah, more than one way to get around an obstacle, I find. That sounds really interesting just because it's Mm. the sort of stuff that I would try in a lot of games and go, surely I can blow up this thing next to the door with this giant explosive tank and it just doesn't work and you sort of give up on trying it in a lot of games. And if that works, then that's that's kind of exciting. Yeah, there's like, still sorry, go James. There, oh no, there's still like some conceits, obviously. Like, so you know, you can't blow open holes in walls or anything, like in say Rainbow it's Six Siege or something. Faction. Yeah, it's not like that. But like, it's 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 I I get the idea that the developers made the map, made the systems, and then they just said, okay, let the players do whatever they want. Whereas I think with the Metroid game, they make a door specifically because they know they're going to give you that item later. Like, it's mm. Prey is more like I guess sandboxy in the way that it's designed. I wouldn't say it's like Metroid much because you know it's like people who know me know like I'm so over people referring to games as Metroid when they're exactly they've just why got I back, asked. They've just got backtracking. <laughs> yeah, they've you just got backtracking. The same and that's, yeah, they've just got backtracking and that's it. Like that's not what makes a Metroid game a Metroid game. And it's kind of like that. It's such a lazy. It's like you know the Dark Souls of whatever. That's what people say all the time now too. Um, mm. But yeah, I just think it's just like it's. They've just there's just so much versatility and flexibility with how you can approach almost every situation in this game, and that's why it's just so fun to play. And like I said, like jumping straight into a second playthrough is probably something that most people mm. will do. Well, uh, let's talk uh, a little bit more about uh, another game that was uh, meant to come out today, 
Um, it sort of came out tomorrow as it happened. Oh, sorry, I, oh. yesterday as it happens. Uh, I am, of course, talking about Ali- uh, <laughs> Alien, AFL Alien. Evolution. <laughs> I really want to go and see Alien Covenant. It's just on my mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am, of course, talking about AFL Re- Evolution. Uh, it was meant to hit stores today, um, but it, as it turns out, broke street date. Um, let's talk about that first um because uh breaking breaking street date often happens um and uh and i suspect you guys are going to be able to have some share some insight into this um but steven what what's your sort of reaction to a this game sort of breaking street date but games in general this sort of happening well it seems like it's been ages since the street date's broken like there was a period of time when it was happening with every major release like it got to the point where we had think pieces of how it's damaging the industry and stuff like that but like I can't actually think of a street date that's broken in the last year or so off the top of my head. I remember, like, when I used to work at EV, like, at when I very first started, they had, um, you know, it was there was Dead Space, Fable 2, Far Cry 2, Fallout 3, like, the, Mirror's Edge, like, all of those games came out three days earlier than they were meant to. <laughs> wow. Like, yeah, and there was that big, there was a huge stuff up, like, in WA where um, uh, Mass Effect was sent early or something, and... Uh, everybody could pick it up a week early somehow, and it was, like, crazy. Like, it was like, oh, my God, really? Because, obviously, at the time, Mass Effect was such a, you know, a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. And it turns out EB Games just forgot that it was street dated <laughs> or something. So wow. there was a bit of issues there. But, like, I think I agree with Steve. Like, I think, you know, it hasn't happened for ages, and I wonder if it's got to do with the fact that, say, AFL Evolution's publisher is True Blue, who are a very small company in the big scheme yeah, of things. Yeah, like, I sort of think along the same way. Like, I've heard a few people on Twitter mention that it might be to, you know, get people buying it ahead of reviews, but I don't really buy that. I think it's more... It's a sort of a bigger, oh, sorry, a smaller publisher that doesn't really have the clout and the, I guess, the ability to control retailers. Like, I actually think EB Games might be a larger company or a JB as well than True Blue. Probably, like, yeah. Uh, that I mean, that like, it still comes as a bit of a surprise to me though, because they are kind of working exclusively. I say exclusively, primarily with the Australian market, right? Like they're not mm. having to worry about to a huge extent, like, um, international distribution. Um, so I was kind of expecting it to be a little bit more tied to run, but I mean, it's not like, it can't all be on the games publishers. Um, mistakes happen at, at a retail level. Um, and basically like just one mistake needs to get happen, happen at one store before every store starts doing it around the country. Yeah. Um, I remember there was a point, I think a lot of the stores that were breaking street dates, like your general department stores like Target and Big W, they were sort of making mistakes enough that I think they put safeguards in their system for big games, but they must've just missed this one. Yeah, yeah, but that's often the case. Like they have, um, like they they have systems in place that like physically prevent you from being able to scan it through the registers. Like they have, uh, like do not sell notices and stuff. Um, apparently, in this case though, it was uh, online online deliveries went out early, um, and oh, okay. uh, and I think um, Target I think might though, have been the first to go. Oh no, EB might have been, and then I think Target. EB. Yeah, I think the thing though is like. JB. This is why I think it was publisher orchestrated mainly because you know a lot of games. I know with EB, you see a lot, you'll see a lot of photos show up on the internet before the game has come out, um, where mm. they've been delivered online, and and they'll say, well, this does not count as a street date break. Like it happens so often that games will get sold early, but then they might sell one copy, and then all of a sudden they'll say, no, we're not selling anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like you can get a copy out in the wild, but it doesn't mean automatically that it's a street date break. If that mm. makes sense. 
I think, um, I think it's going to be something to watch, like as we move more and more sort of into the online marketplace, because um, or people ordering games online, uh, especially with like the likes of Amazon sort of coming here next year, um, because they kind of do have to work with these release dates and people are going to want them on the release dates, but to guarantee that they might have to ship them like a day or two earlier. Uh, and then, you know, if by some weird miracle that like the Australian post routes or whatever work efficiently and effectively, um, they might get there early. I don't know. Like, is that, is that going to be a problem that we run into? Well, it happens now. Like, that's the thing that I, I can tell you, I know two people who received prey like two days earlier than they should have. Um, that's, that I mean, that's particularly as... crazy because uh, like yeah. reviewers and influencers weren't getting it until. But it's but it's but that but that's the thing like right? with Bethesda games, especially like I'm sure retailers are receive them before reviewers would, which is which is nuts. Mm. You're right. Um, mm. But like I like it's it happens already. Like I just the only solution I can think of is people like especially in WA. Like it, you, there's no way for you to be able to send it early enough to get here from an eastern state depot. Yeah. For release date. Like, I just think it's something that's just going to happen. If you want to buy a game online and not go into a store or buy digital, that's just what you have to put up with, you know? Because um, those companies will probably protect themselves first and foremost. Mm. You know, they're not going to be like, oh, well, let's send it earlier. Just and, and if they get it earlier, whatever, they'll probably be like, no, let's send it later and save ourselves. Yeah. Um, mm. I'm interested to see how Amazon... I don't know. if Can you send a parcel and say to people, don't deliver this until this day? Like, I don't know if that's a thing you can do or not. I think it's only like, really possible through, like, courier services, because I know that... Which would be so yeah, expensive, I'm sure. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, it's only viable when you're looking at, like, iPhones or something that come out on a specific day, but, like, a hundred... You know, less than a hundred dollar game, I don't think they'd bother. It'd probably cost you half that much to get it freighted. Hmm. Interesting. Um, well, what are your what are your takes on on the game itself? Like, I I don't think either of us have have played it. Um, it was Brody. Yeah, I've been but, pretty. I've been pretty yeah, you've been, you've been pretty so bogged like, down. Um, yep. But uh, like, it, there's obviously a sort of a mixed sort of reaction to this game. I think Brody kind of gave it a, gave it a six. Um, I think it maybe sort of depends on where your expectations are. Um, but just maybe briefly, do you guys think there is a place for AFL sort of locally developed AFL games here in Australia? A hundred percent, like without a doubt. Um, I think that you know, just looking at the site and numbers for the site and stuff, you know, mm. you, you just you can tell there's definitely an audience for this stuff more so, like in this particular week, you know, more so than Prey. Mm. Uh, uh, if, people don't really, I don't think people care about the quality. Like they just want an AFL game. No, you know? I like, agree. It's, it's something, and I don't know, apparently, see, I don't realise this because I've been in WA my whole life, but I didn't realise that AFL isn't as big in the Eastern States as it might be in WA compared to, say, rugby. Um, well, it's big It's big but, in Victoria, but, like, uh, yeah, of course, New yeah, South Victoria. Wales and Queensland yeah. not so much, yeah. Yeah, so, I, I, I don't know, like, I think, but the problem is people don't realise, you know, this isn't going to be a FIFA in terms mm. of production value and stuff. It's going to be pretty, you know, grassroots, I guess, the right way to put it yeah i I th- i'd like to see them sort of come out like the the passionate fans of which there are many um really come out and support this game and support the developers um because uh, if they want more games uh, and if they want these games to improve over time that's that's what needs to happen i feel um yeah so I, encourage- then I think that's like a you know that kind of opens a can of worms where it's like well should you be rewarding people who are putting out games that are kind of not as good as they could be you know like yeah i don't know yeah. What happened? Because did EA do AFL before on PS2 and stuff? Was that EA at all? Like, I 
I remember was there a, was one on PS1 that I played eons ago, but I can't remember who made it. Yeah, okay. Um, well, <laughs> Shannon's conveniently sending messages, so he's nice, nice job spectating <laughs> this, Shannon. And I just, I just think, like, you know, that, that would be an awesome thing, like, if EA could be like, okay, let's, let's do, you know, a budget for, like, we'll give you guys more money and do, like, a kind of thing to further your image, I guess, in Australia. Like, yeah. how cool would it be if EA were to fund an AFL game? Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be yearly stuff, you know? Give it a FIFA budget, but then have that game serve the market for four years or something instead of FIFA, where you, you spend that much on the game every year. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, it, and it probably doesn't need, like, a FIFA budget, but, uh, yeah. Oh, like, well, of course. You know what I mean? Like, a better budget than whatever the yeah. $10 they yeah. had this, for this one. Like, mm. What Shannon was saying, by the way, was that EA Australia did publish the PS1 AFL game, I believe. Um, right. So yeah, they've they've been involved with it before. That'd be cool. But you know, like I like I think it's I think it's important for like home homegrown game devs to to make a game because obviously they connect with the sport more so than maybe like international investors would. Um, and so that that passion sort of really shines through. Um, but yeah, you're it's like still you're better. right. It's... Like if if you want if you want an AFL game and you want to see more of them, then I think you should you know do your best to, to support it as you can. But um, if people don't go out and buy this or do and criticize it, um, don't expect to get more of them is what I'm, what I'm saying, I suppose. Yeah. I think sort of people have to, I think as you are getting to sort of keep their expectations pretty well in check, like it's a game for a fairly small market, so it won't have a very big budget. And really it's a very difficult game to to simulate with a controller, I think, just like the weird shape of the ball and the different things that you can do in a game. Mm, I have AFL. heard people say it's quite hard to play. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. If... Like, I remember it was just a horrible, well, not horrible, but it was very difficult to sort of do what you wanted to do on the old PS1 AFL game that I played. And I'm sure things have gotten a bit better since then, but I, I would imagine it's still hard to emulate all the things you can do in any situation with just, you know, the buttons on a controller. Hmm. Hmm. Well, um, I, yeah, I, I agree. Like it's a, it is like a complex, a, a complex game, even more so I think than, than, uh, than FIFA would be. Um, so Ooh. mechanically it certainly is. <laughs> might is get some really about that. I might, yeah, a yeah. Of- <laughs> I, I, I personally, okay, let me, let me, personally, I am more of a soccer, a soccer fan, but like, I think there's just kind of more like the, you're just like, there's more actions required of an AFL player than there is, uh. I'm not saying more skill. I'm saying more actions. All <laughs> right, I'm using my words very carefully. Yeah, different types of actions. Like you're not tackling people on an AFL pitch unless you're Suarez. Okay, like it's on a on a football pitch. You know, what? I'm getting confused now. Let's. <laughs> I think uh, sort of my my end thought on it, I guess, is that if you want an AFL game, you kind of have to keep your expectations in check. But this is probably about as good as it's gonna get. So, like, I guess if if you want one, this is gonna be the one you have to have. If you know, regardless of whether you want it to be. You know, FIFA level or not? Mm. Have they ever made like a netball game? <sighs> not that I know <laughs> of. <laughs> Maybe. Sorry, Maybe. I don't know. Is well, netball like an Australian thing? I don't know. I just thought that's I was, a good I question. Know why I was actually, thinking I don't about know that. of a netball game. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I mean I don't know if hockey games either or well, I mean no, hockey NHL. Massive. Yeah, that's a that's huge. Oh, but, that's but ice ne- hockey. I'm t- I'm thinking more field hockey. Where is Netball 2K18? When is that coming out? <laughs> let's get EA, EA, EA on to let's, it. Yeah, let's lead the charge on this, shall we? Get your industry um, contacts. Yeah. 
one more game I did want to talk about before we close up today. I'm going to keep it nice and brief. Um, is uh, is Far Cry um, because this piece of news caught my my eye in the week. Um, Ubisoft may be teasing a new Far Cry game. They released a uh, an image of what seems to be Far Cry Three R on Facebook with the caption, uh, "An island we never really left." This could just be some dumb sort of continual Far Cry promotion thing. I don't know. Um, but uh, Stephen, would you be excited to revisit? the island of far cry 3 or do you think this is a remaster like some people have speculated i would personally visit the island originally i visited the island for a couple of hours and didn't go back to it because i don't have a pc anymore so i would be all about a remaster that i can play without building a pc okay all right uh what about yourself then james um i played far cry 3 to like 100 percent completion i really liked it um it was like the first ubisoft open world game that i played where i didn't realize that all of their games are kind of getting the same so you know it was still fresh mm. um i think that you know far i feel like you know with far cry 4 they they've kind of this is the thing about far cry is like you know and i said this in my primal review i was like what even is a far cry game like they're yeah. all the story the storyline is completely separate now and it'd be interesting to see if they are returning to another game because they've never done that before um oh well besides those first games under cryotech and stuff that no one really counts them i mm. guess um but, like, I think that a lot of the things that come up whenever they're talking about Far Cry is like, oh, well, Vass was such a good villain, blah, 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 blah. So mm. it wouldn't surprise me if they were going to do another one, because I think they tried to do that with Pagan Min in Far Cry 4, but, you know, they never really didn't, yeah, reached didn't, didn't those heights, I guess. So it wouldn't surprise me if they were to go back to Far Cry 3 and do something. Yeah. I think that Far Cry is happening this year. Like, I think, you know, Assassin's Creed and Far Cry will be Ubisoft's big games for the year. Um, oh, Okay. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I was thinking it'd be more of like a Q1 2018 sort of release, kind of around the same sort of time Primal came out. I wasn't sure mm-hmm. if they'd want to put it head-to-head against Assassin's Creed. Um, but I, like, I, mean, I, I didn't play right the way through Far Cry 3, but um, I know out of the entire sort of franchise, that one holds like a specific place in its heart. And I can see why, because I did, I did like play enough to realize like how, how awesome a villain Vass was. Um, I really like the franchise. Um, I think it would be cool for them to revisit the island and maybe just touch on him again as a character. Um, they could introduce someone entirely new to the, the island and, and have a new sort of narrative all the same, um, but just sort of kind of keeping him as a character, revisiting that same setting, revisiting that same character might be interesting. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that is the case, but uh, we'll go. see. We'll see come E3 time, I guess. Yeah, you could go. I guess you could go like either way with it. Like people are like, oh, it could be a prequel. You can see how Bath became like a nut job, or you mm. could go do a sequel where you play as a new person on the island. And you you see the whatever the Jason Brody from the third game. Like he's gone vicious, like and primal and stuff. Mm. One of the endings, he goes nuts. Um, mm. I don't know. I I I would love. To, I just feel like Far Cry has always to me. Far Cry is like you know weird exotic locales, and I feel like if they kind of revisit the same location, that might be a bit of a cop-out, but then if they're using the same map, that would make me think it's coming out this year because you don't have to build a new world, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's <laughs> leave it there. That was episode 99 of the Startcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or any podcast service, service of your choice. Just search the Startcast. Be sure to follow Press Start on all the socials at PressStartAU. Join the conversation using the hashtag, hashtag the Startcast, uh, and visit the website, of course, at PressStart.com.au. I've been your host, Ewan. You can follow me on Twitter at Ewan underscore Roxborough. Do check out that that Prey live stream from today. Like I said, that is on VOD over on our Facebook page. Drop us a like while you're there. Joining us today was Stephen. 
Yo, I'm at Stephen Impson on all the social bits and pieces. <laughs> oh no! Ah, I totally forgot to use that expression I again. I, was I need to write it. that down. I love that expression so much. <laughs> uh, social bits and pieces. I love it. James, where can we find you on the social bits and pieces? Um, I'm just. We'll just go Twitter. I'm at at, <laughs> at James. So it's A T J A M Z. If you can't spell that, I guess just go to one of my reviews and click the bird and you'll find me. <laughs> click the bird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's right. I love that you got at James with a Z. Do you have any like underscore or anything? I can't remember nah. what you're... No? Damn. Nah, it's just at James. You, you smashed yeah. it, man. Well played. Yeah. I got a lousy underscore in the middle of my name. Curse you, BBC producer, you in Roxburgh in London. <laughs> oh, no, but it's like at AT. Like, it's like there's the at before it, you know? So it's at at James. Yeah. Oh, I get you. Okay. That's, yeah, <laughs> yes. okay. I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, guys, happy gaming. Bye. Bye.